0: Welcome to the Statesman Journal's Explore Oregon podcast. I'm your host, Zach Ernest, and in each episode, we highlight Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places. This podcast is brought to you by the American Forest Resource Council, supporting responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest. Learn more at amforest.org. We're also supported by Visit Tillema Coast, a land of ocean and forest just an hour from the Willamette Valley that this spring will offer special volunteer vacations designed for visitors to spend a day doing a stewardship project and another heading out on a Tillamook Coast adventure. It's free and a way to have fun and give back and we'll have more details on this a little bit later in the show. Finally, the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department invites Oregonians to explore parks during winter and spring to experience the beauty of those seasons. If you're camping, remember to buy firewood from the park or nearby community to avoid bringing invasive species, such as the devastating emerald ash borer, into parks. Learn more about protecting Oregon's ash trees at stateparks.oregon.gov. All right, in today's episode, we're talking to one of my favorite Oregon guidebook authors about his new book and his pick for 10 of the state's very best spring hikes from every corner of the state. But first, here's some guitar music to get us rolling. in today's episode we are going to talk about a very fun new hiking book and about some of the state's best spring hikes to tell us about it is friend of the program matt reader he most recently joined me on a really interesting podcast about wildfires and hiking the mount jefferson wilderness so if you haven't listened to that one it's worth checking out now, Matt has written four books about hiking Oregon's wildest places, and one of my favorite things about him is the way he highlights a lot of off-the-beaten-path hikes, those places you won't see continually featured on Instagram or Facebook. You know, his books get you out there. So, hey, Matt, how's it going? Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us again.
1: Uh, thanks for having me. It's going well. I, I'm enjoying the little break of sunshine that's coming through my window right now,
0: so it's going well. <laughs> I know you got to take advantage of all the sunshine uh, we have oh, yeah. this spring. yeah. All right. Well, so the new book is Extraordinary Oregon uh, with an exclamation point, uh, 125 hikes across the state of Oregon. So that seems to cover a pretty sweeping terrain. But, you know, what else can you tell us about it? What was your mission statement and what what are readers going to get with this book?
1: So my mission statement was not just the best hikes in the state, but the most unique and interesting. So, I mean, you could, you could easily make a list of the state's best hikes and only focus on Mount Hood and Mount Jefferson and Crater Lake and the Three Sisters and the coast and just leave it there. And nobody would probably, probably nobody would argue with you. So for me, it was, I wanted to treat the whole state equally and really focus on what is unique and extraordinary about not only this place, but how it fits overall in the state. Oregon is, the rare place that has everything Mm -hmm. you want to go to the coast you can do that you want to go to the mountains you can do that you want to go to the desert you can do that you want to go explore a slot canyon you can do that you want to go explore old growth forests you can do that and then there are unique places that only exist in oregon and nowhere else like crater lake Mm -hmm. and so i wanted to tie all of these together and not just make another you know these are the 100 best hikes in oregon or these are the 50 best hikes in oregon but really what is extraordinary about these places and highlight as many of them as I could?
0: Well, it sounds like you covered a really you know, yeah, when you say you 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 covered every corner of the state and you treated it equally, like I kind of got that in in looking at at your list. So like you know, you have you know the Oregon Redwoods down there, but you have you know, desert hikes out there. And, and, they're, and they're almost like equally proportioned. Like, is that is that what you were going for is kind of like maybe bringing people from Portland who only see a certain type of hike and pushing them out of their comfort zone and saying, look, this is dramatically different. Here, here are these dramatically different hikes. Is that part of the goal?
1: Yeah, it is part of the goal. I mean, I'm a Portlander and I love Portland, but I also, I love the whole state equally. I mean, it, it's from, for me, like... I wanted to be able to write for somebody who lives in Baker City just as much as I write for somebody who lives in Portland. Mm -hmm. And so for me, you know, I spent a lot of time, an awful lot of time driving around the state. I drove something like 15,000 miles in Oregon alone working on this book and i got to explore pretty much everywhere in the state and i found myself just like over and over again marveling wow i love i love oregon i love <laughs> everything in this state i love exploring it i love finding new places to to hang out i love finding cool new breweries there's breweries everywhere and almost all of them even in the small towns are just wonderful places to hang out mm-hmm.
0: well what was your favorite place to travel and hike that you'd never been before like what was your biggest surprise in uh, in researching this book
1: I hadn't spent a whole lot of time in Southeast Oregon. I um I had a, um we got a flat tire the first time I went to Steen's and it kind of, I wouldn't say soured us on it, but it kind of just like made us realize, well, we need to have the right car for it. And we need to have all, you need to make sure we're really well prepared and the weather has to be right. And so I, going back over and over and over again to Southeast Oregon, I kind of fell in love with Burns. Hmm. I spent a lot of time in Burns. I really enjoyed. I went to the brewery in Burns several times and really liked it. I, I really just found myself really enjoying that part of Oregon in general. And I, I would have loved to have included more hikes from that area except that one of the goals of my book was to highlight places that anyone can visit. So, hence I have a Subaru Outback. If you can't make it in an Outback, then I'm not going to then I'm not going <laughs> to include it. And so that that actually excluded a lot of places like the Owyhee Canyon. I only have one hike in the Owyhee Because a lot of that area, just you shouldn't go there without a truck or a Jeep and like multiple people with you. And so, I mean, that was one of the things too. I mean, there are certain places that I just flat out refused to include in my book because either I couldn't make it there or I just didn't want to bother. Because it's not for everyone. And I wanted to write something for everyone.
0: Okay. Well, what have you gotten a a response yet from like, because a lot of your books, you know, you focused on the Mount Jefferson area, you know, you spoke, focused on the, the Portland area. So like, have you had any, any success in getting Portlanders like to, to some of these wilder farther off places? Like, and and what has been the response?
1: Yeah. It's interesting you say that because not one, but two of my friends decided to go to Three Mile Lake and Golden Falls um, near Coos Bay last weekend. They don't know each other. Both decided to go the same weekend to the same places. So that was uh, that was very gratifying for me. Yeah, just and, getting uh, uh, out there, getting out there. The book has been out for two weeks. Mm. So seeing that people, seeing that my friends are already using it, made me very happy. Okay.
0: Well, we're gonna we're gonna travel and, and highlight a few of these. But before we get going, what's the best place to get your book? Like, uh, is it online? Is it in bookstores? Where can we actually get it?
1: Um, you can get it at my website, which is offthebeatentrailpdx.com. And it's available at Powell's now as well. And it should be on Amazon at this point. Barnes & Noble had it. So it's available just about everywhere if you order it online. I'm not sure how many actual brick and and mortar bookstores it's in yet. It's, you know, supply chain is still a little slow. So it's taking a little while in some places, but you can definitely get it online.
0: Okay, well, we are going to get into it and, you know, not waste any more time with the preamble. You know, this has been kind of a wet and cool spring, and we've kind of started to enter that traditional hiking season. Um, It's starting to, you know, people are starting to get on their boots and start making plans. And so in celebration of that season and this new book, Matt is going to take us through every region in the state, and he's going to highlight an excellent spring specific hike. Now, I've seen his list, and these are all top tier, uh, the ones that I know about. And there's plenty of them I've not heard of. So I'm looking forward to finding out about them. Um, many of them are overlooked, but also worth visiting. So, you ready to get into that, Matt? I am. All right. So in looking at this excellent list that we're going to talk about, you're bringing us all the way across the state. So why don't we just keep it simple and move from west to east? That means we're going to start out on the coast, which is an area that you know well. It's hard to find, you know, overlooked or less visited places on the coast, but you've got a good one. So what is the first pick you have for the Oregon coast? Where are you bringing us first?
1: I'm bringing us to the area around Port Orford to Blacklock Point. This was a hike that I'd really I I'd read about in other hiking guidebooks, and it kind of had an air of mystery to me. One of my friends went there several years ago and told me that he kind of got lost and found himself wandering all over the place. And I thought, well, it shouldn't be that hard. But so then I, I really did a lot of research, and I figured out the best way to do the hike, which would incorpor- incorporate the beach, the forest there, Forest Lake. As well as Blacklock Point itself, which has excellent flowers in April, May, and June. Mm -hmm. So I I went and did this hike. And I, you know, almost every hike that I did in this book, I did by myself, was the other thing. It's almost all solo research. So I found myself just exploring on this wet, rainy day in mid June. And I just fell in love with the place. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, you have to walk along the beach for. You, you, you don't have to, but I, the best way to do it to me is make sure you read the timetables and um, plan the hike for a day where you have time to hike along the beach safely. But as you hike along the beach, you're walking by increasingly larger sea cliffs until you look up and there's a hundred foot sea cliff next to you. It, it truly, you know, you don't get to experience that very often. It felt more like something I, I used to see in France or Ireland. But then, you know, you make your way into the forest and hike through these essentially almost groves of rhododendrons until you reach Blacklock Point, which is this rock outcropping that juts straight into the ocean.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And there's a trail that goes right down to the top of the point. And I found myself on this day, I had it entirely to myself. And so I sat down and just watched north and watched south and watched the waves roll in and, you know, spent a long time photographing the flowers out on the point. And I just, there's just something to be said, to be sit by the ocean
0: by yourself. Mm-hmm. I, it's something very, almost primeval. Mm-hmm. Well, give us some, some like uh, statistics and stuff. So now I, it's technically within Flora's Lake State Park, correct? Yes.
1: More or less. I mean, that's the, that's as best as I could tell. There's a, it's a local day use area that a fee that you have to pay to park there, mm-hmm. but um, you're mostly hiking on the Oregon coast trail.
0: Okay. Gotcha. So where, so how long of a hike is it? How difficult? And just give me some kind of statistics on it. So it was,
1: for me, it was 9.4 miles out and back. Um, you can make longer loops if you want to, you know, meander through the forest east of Blacklock Point. But what I did was nine point four miles out and back, and only four hundred feet of elevation gain. Most of it in, most of it climbing back out of Blackhawk Point.
0: Okay, gotcha. That's interesting. So you have to go down
1: to it and then come back out.
0: And it's a, it's an overall interesting area because it's uh, the New River area is in that area, you know, which is another yes. one of those kind of fun remote little areas. There's you know, and then there's trails to the south and right there. It's kind of a weird area that it doesn't feel like. It's It belongs to anywhere. Yeah,
1: exactly. It doesn't feel like it belongs to anywhere. Because it's, I, you know, I did this, it was the first hike on a a research trip in which I completed six hikes for this book in five days. And it was the first one that I did. And I felt, you know, this is the best way to start this trip. I It didn't feel like it belonged anywhere. It felt like its own place. And not a lot of places on the Oregon coast feel like a single, single, solitary, unique place. Many of them kind of feel like another hike on the coast. Mm-hmm. And this one felt wholly and utterly unique. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I wanted to talk about it first. I, I spent a long time on the on the Southern Oregon coast. I went there uh, multiple times. I explored as much as I possibly could. And to me, I felt like I could have written an entire by, uh, entire guidebook just on everything south of uh, Waldport.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, this this place definitely has kind of a cult following. I, you know, I remember the director of, uh, or one of the, higher-ups at state parks who've been there for a long time picked this as his favorite like lesser known place and it it just has this like this it draws people in who see it it's like one of those places if you know then you know
1: (laughs) yeah well it's also one of those cool things that you know i don't really do bucket lists it's not my thing i know other people who have like a list of things they have to see but this is one one of if not the best place in oregon to watch a waterfall tumble right into the ocean Mm. There are a few other places like that, like at Harts Cove and Short Sand Beach has a waterfall that comes to kind of more or less flows into the ocean. But at Blacklock Point, the waterfall is like 150
0: feet tall. It's really cool. Yeah, no, that's great. All right, we're going to just hop a little bit to the east and into the Oregon rainforest of the Coast Range. So your next pick, I love it. It's one of my favorites. But uh, where are you taking us in this land of every shade of green in the Oregon Coast Range? We're
1: going to Kentucky Falls, the greenest place I might have ever been.
0: <laughs>
1: I, I So Kentucky Falls is, I struggle to explain exactly where it is. Yeah. I, I rather, not not in my directions, but like in, in telling people, they're like, well, it's in the coast range between Reedsport and Eugene. But those two places, I mean, if you live in Eugene, obviously those are two places that you would connect one to the other. But for people who don't live in Eugene, they're like, where? where is that? I know I've explained it to my friends here in Portland and they're like, they have no like concept of where that's located, Mm -hmm. but it's truly to me, this is one of, if not the best coast range hike in all of Oregon to me, you have three waterfalls, two of which fall side by side, which is a feature you won't find almost anywhere else. Eagle Creek is the only other place you can see that on trail in Oregon that I can think of Mm -hmm. two waterfalls and you different waterfalls flow side by side. And you also have massive old growth. And what makes it a great spring hike is that when you go there in April, it's just everything is alive with trilliums, violets, and many other wonderful, colorful forest flowers to add to literally every shade of green I could possibly imagine.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, well, Kentucky Falls is definitely way up there for me. My thing, my favorite thing about it is that a lot of hikes in the coast range are really short like they're just short and sweet, you know, you get to a waterfall and come back out or uh, they're just because it's so fragmented by, you know, historic logging by, by roads and stuff like that. But Kentucky falls, like you get on that trail, it's what, I think nine miles, you know, if you want to do a round trip, but it's, it's you're out there for a while, like you really feel immersed, it's about as close to like a wilderness feel um, as you can get, even though there's wilderness areas in the coast range, uh, devil's staircase, and other places like that, but this this has a more wilderness feel uh, than other places. So, give us some stats. You know how how long is your recommended trip? Um, you know, kind of what do you advise people do who are traveling to Kentucky Falls?
1: Okay, so first things first. I um I opted for the shortest possible option here, which mm-hmm. is four point eight miles out and back from the uh, Upper Kentucky Falls trailhead. But so one interesting thing is that I I chose I accessed this hike from Reedsport not mm-hmm. from Eugene. And so the day I did it, I drove in via Sport and drove out towards Eugene. And so many people who do this hike think of it as accessing it from Eugene and you follow the set of directions. It's like a page long. Yeah. I, I, that was fun finding my way out of there, going back to the East, but for Sport, it's very straightforward, very, mm. very straightforward. And so one thing you can do, I, you know, this was yet another hike I did solo. If I were to do it with a group, I would make this a car shuttle, Yeah. at which point it would be, I think, seven and a half miles one way. Mm-hmm. And before I started the main Kentucky Falls hike, I hiked the old growth loop that's at the lower Kentucky Falls trailhead. And I mentioned that under the continuing your hike mm-hmm. part of my entry, which is not even a mile and has just massive trees and moss and I don't think many people start at that end of the trail. I think almost everybody starts at the upper end of the trail. So if you really, there are no waterfalls downstream of Kentucky Falls, but if you want to go from the upper trailhead to the lower trailhead, it's like five something, five plus miles, six miles actually. I'm looking at my book now. Six miles downstream of Kentucky Falls of just essentially Wilderness Canyon. Mm -hmm. So, but the option I chose is 4.8 miles out and back
0: yeah with 800 feet
1: of elevation gain
0: there's a lot of different ways to do this for sure i mean that that popular upper route it just gets you to the waterfalls quicker so i'm i'm sure that's why why people do it but i've done the whole thing and it's it's really cool if you don't if you do it solo one way i've I've always meant to do it is with a bike shuttle like yeah i wanted to do that i wanted to do that i
1: was not able to but i wanted to do that it was yet another very cold rainy day when i went there it seemed to have that was a theme working on this book (laughs)
0: Well, you could, yeah, because you could totally stash a bike at the upper trailhead, start at the lower one and kind of hike up an elevation, you know, hit the waterfalls last and then kind of cruise downhill in your bike. And that's, yeah, that'd be a pretty fun. I was day. thinking
1: about that almost the whole day, actually. I, I told I said to myself, I'm like, I'm going to do this whole hike. And then I got to the got there and I was like, I it's nine, nine thirty in the morning and it's pouring, pouring, <laughs> pouring rain. So I'm like, OK, all right. I guess I'm just doing this. I'm doing as much as I can.
0: Yeah. Well, Kentucky falls is a fantastic spring. Uh, one, although I will add again, if you're coming from Eugene, those directions are next level complicated. Yeah. Uh, the number of yeah, people it, who get lost and confused and turned around out there, like it's, it's significant. So you really have to have great directions. Like I'm sure you've got in your book and like following yeah. to a key. Cause
1: I actually, the directions are in my book are from Reedsport not Eugene.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Well, so I, I think it's one of those things too, where it, kind of like a lot of other places. One of the thing, I guess, how do I put this? One of the things I tried to do in my book was have the directions be from the nearest town, not from the nearest major city. Mm-hmm. So for my coast hikes, the the, the, dry, the directions are from Reedsport for the sake yeah. yeah. Not from Eugene. Gotcha. All I wrote right. directions from Eugene and it took me a long time to go through turn by turn and make sure it was correct.
0: Yeah, no, it's yeah, no, it's. it's and I even
1: correct. now, even now I'm just crossing my fingers. Like, I think I got it
0: right. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, cool. So we've been to the coast. We've been to the coast range. Uh, now we're just going to head over that ridge and into the Willamette Valley. Now, as most people know, the valley is home to like 70 percent of Oregon's population. So, Matt, you're going to hit two places that explore really scenic spring views, but that are also right in kind of urban centers or pretty close to urban centers. So what two places are you going to highlight here in the Willamette Valley? Well, speaking of Eugene,
1: I'm going to talk about um, Mount Pisgah. Mm -hmm. And so Mount Pisgah is something that I think basically everyone in Eugene knows, but I chose to do a variation on the more popular Mount Pisgah hike you see. I chose to do it from the east. So access it from the southeast corner of the park, as opposed to the western part of the park. And for me, I, you know, I thought, okay, well, I have to have something by Eugene. And I looked around and I asked my good friend, Francisca of hike, Oregon, Francisca Weinheimer, mm-hmm. and we, we actually, we met up for this Mount Pisgah hike. And even she hadn't been to that part of the park very much because it's just so easy to visit the side that's closer to Eugene. But I thought, well, one of the cool things about Mount Pisgah is that it really does more or less mark the Southern end of the Willamette Valley south of Eugene. It starts to become more hilly. And I mean, even if it's still technically classified as the Willamette Valley, it doesn't really feel like it. Yeah. But when you're at Mount Pisgah, you can look out and see the Willamette Valley. And so accessing it from the east, we passed through a lot of, you know, really pretty forests, especially in the spring when everything is green and verdant. And there were a lot of irises and lilies. It was lovely, absolutely lovely hike. And you actually get a decent amount of elevation and you then get to visit the top of Mount Pisgah mm. and wind your way back around in an almost perfect loop.
0: Okay. How long is that? Is that longer stretch? So what? Are, what are some statistics on this one? And for everybody that doesn't know, Mount Pisgah is just—it's a—it's like a stone's throw from Eugene. Like you actually drive yeah. past it on on I five. So a lot of people yeah. have seen it. But for your loop that takes in this lesser known area and then goes up to kind of you know the 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 biggest highlights, uh, you know, what's the stats and, and how difficult is it?
1: It's not that difficult. Um, it, depending on what kind of shape you're in, but so you access from Highway 58 and then turn off about five mile, four point three miles south of, four point three miles southeast on Highway 58
0: mm-hmm.
1: from its exit in Eugene. It's just south of Eugene, but it's a five point four mile loop and eleven hundred feet of elevation gain.
0: Okay, cool. so
1: I mean you you. Any way you hike at Pisgah, there's elevation gain, but this also gives you a chance to see more of the forest and get a longer hike in.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, we wanted to just include one other quick one. Uh, we have a lot of listeners up in Portland, so I asked you to pick one of your favorite uh, Portland spring hikes, just to kind of have in your back pocket. Uh, so which one are you going to pick for for Portland?
1: I apologize to my Portland friends, but I'm picking Butte. <laughs> And I apologize because Palo Butte, if you live in Portland, is someplace you know, generally, though it depends on where you live in Portland. So I live in far outer southeast Portland, um, near the Lentz neighborhood. I could literally walk to Palo Butte for my house. Mm-hmm. And so for me, you know, during the pandemic, especially, I worked in this book during the pandemic and during the lockdowns. And for me, Palo Butte was a place that I explored far more than I ever had even before. And mind you, this is my neighborhood. So like, I know Powell butte very, very well. I know Powell butte better than almost anywhere in Oregon. And for me, I still found myself exploring every side trail and wandering down this path and that path at different seasons. What makes Powell butte great in any season is that it's close and you still have miles of trails to explore. The loop that I include is 4.6 miles, but you can make an even longer hike if you're willing to try side trails, backtrack uh, and, you know, or if you're willing to start it from somewhere else on the Springwater Corridor, which is the bike path that goes through that part of Portland, you can bike there and then walk up Powell Butte. You have dozens of options if you want. If you want to try something different, mm-hmm. but in the spring you've got a lot of really lovely spring flowers. As you get closer to summer, you—I mean, it depends on this year's going to be late. Everything's late this year. But in the summer, or you get close to summer, you'll see lupin there and you'll see other. Flowers you would typically associate with Oregon prairie. Mm -hmm. And not only that, if you go in the morning, you're almost certain to see wildlife. Which is not something you can say about everywhere in Portland. But you're almost certainly see deer there. I've seen coyotes there. It it truly, it's, you know, I've made a point repeatedly in talking in my books to point out that I think we in Oregon have some of the best parks. And Powell Butte, as far as urban parks go, it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah. You also have views. I mean, this spring has not been very clear, but you've got a five volcano view at the top of Powell Butte. Yeah. You can see Rainier, Adams, St. Helens, Hood, and Jefferson.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty special, especially having that right in the middle of, you you know, the biggest metro area in Oregon by far. So, all right. So we're, you know, we did Powell Butte. We're in the Portland metro area. So why don't we just head up you know, to the east, into the Columbia Gorge, into Portland's playgrounds. You know, you could have gone with a million great spring hikes in the gorge. And, you know, I was kind of surprised by the one you ended up picking. It's not, you know, one of the big famous waterfall ones, you know, so it was one I wasn't expecting. So which one did you pick for the gorge for the spring? And why would you pick it over all the other options? So I
1: chose the Deschutes River Trail
0: and i chose the deschutes river trail uh, east of
1: the dalles for a very specific reason and that is lately it's been difficult to find sunshine <laughs> and uh, in rainy springs like this if you drive far if you drive out to the deschutes you're at least reasonably likely to find some yeah so i you know as a portlander you know we have the gorge in our backyard and one of the things that makes that amazing is everything is close But the downside is that most of the gorge is very crowded. There aren't many obscure hikes in the gorge. There aren't many uncrowded hikes in the gorge. And the ones that do exist are uncrowded because to be perfectly honest, most of them aren't very interesting. Mm -hmm. The gorge is discovered. And it's, you know, I also, you know, one of the things about this book too, is that I'm focusing only on Oregon. So something like dog mountain, which is literally just across the river on the Washington side, it's in Washington. That's not Oregon. Yeah. So it's not included. (laughs) And uh, many of the more obscure hikes in the gorge that are really fun happen to be on the Washington side Mm -hmm. to me because they're looking back across the river into Oregon, but they're still in Washington. And uh, so for me, I chose the Deschutes river trail because during a wet spring, such as this, you can drive out there and find sunshine but you can also find open skies. It's very surprising for people who aren't expecting it. The first time I went out there was about 13 years ago. It was in January. It was 48 and raining in Portland, and it was 65 and sunny there. The Deschutes River, is the same Deschutes River that flows through Bend. It empties into the Columbia River east of the Dalles. And so the Deschutes River Trail is a, a trail along the Deschutes River that's part of an old rail line In fact, it was once the site of a railroad war in the early 20th century, when two competing rail lines tried each to punch a rail line into, into bend and only one succeeded. And so the one that succeeded is on the opposite side of the river and trains run along it several times a day. And the Deschutes river trail is on the rail, is on the rail bed of the railway that did not succeed. (laughs) And so you can, because of that, you can hike it for miles and miles and miles. And miles and miles. The trail is uh the just this part of the trail is 25 miles one way. But if you pack a bike, you could bike all the way to Maupin and south of maupin Yeah. Which is 60 70 miles upriver.
0: You know, combining it's
1: a... the trail and also
0: gravel roads. Yeah, you know, I've done the bike trip out in this area. I think I you know rode out 10 miles and back 10 miles. And it, it, it gives a different you know kind of experience when you're moving that fast. But when you're talking about the hike, I know there's hiking trails that kind of go off the main rail line. So what are you highlighting? What is the best way to experience this? If uh, you're not on a bike, if you're on, you know, just hiking, what is the best way you would suggest to do the Deschutes River Trail?
1: To me, the Deschutes River Trail is it's a choose your own adventure kind of hike so whatever you feel like doing is what you can do i've gone there and just done the ferry springs loop which i have in my book which is 4.7 miles round trip that takes you to a viewpoint above the canyon and then back down and that's a really great place to get views of the the deschutes canyon and you can see the columbia from the top there because remember you are very close to the columbia river Mm -hmm. i also have a trip further upstream so a nine mile round trip hike that encompasses some basalt formations and a campsite that features a pit toilet, which, you know, once again, it's one of those little novelties. There aren't many hikes in Oregon where you can actually have toilets to use along the way. Sure. So it's one of those, it's not that important, but sometimes it's kind of nice. Yeah. But, um, but really, as I say, it's kind of a choose your own adventure kind of day. Cause I've also gone on done hikes there as long as uh, three, a few years ago I did a 23 mile day hike there. I just, felt really good that day and I just kept hiking and hiking and hiking until I like, wait, I just hiked 11 and a half miles. <laughs> I should probably turn around before I, you know, don't, before I don't get too far into this Canyon and find myself unable to get out. So, um, yeah, you could do just about anything. And that's why one of the things to me is, you know, some hikes, there are very, or what I, what I call closed hikes. You have one option and that's it. But this option, this hike is the, the, Chutes river trail in general is a place where you could hike to your heart's content. Yeah. And it, to me, that's very special. And during the spring, you, you know, your sunshine is pretty likely unless it's pouring in the west side, then it's, it'll be cloudy there. But sunshine is pretty likely. And even on rainy days, there's often sun breaks. And I was just out there and the canyon is starting to turn green because of all the rain that's ha- we've had lately. Mm-hmm. So it really is lovely. It's not a great flower hike, but there are flowers and it's a great place to see birds.
0: Yeah. And it's, a, it's a, just a beautiful river canyon, too. It is. You know, it it's, is. It's, it's got a different character than the rivers on the west side. You know, it's got that it's, high desert, you know, that big kind of canyon mountain feel to it.
1: It is essentially desert. I mean, it's just barely above the classification for desert. It only rains 11 inches a year there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, you know, we are in the gorge. So from this point, it's not too much work to head into the northern Cascades or kind of the Mount Hood area of the cascade range. Now there's a lot of, Snow up there um, in the spring. Oh, and yes, there time. is. And especially, this, <laughs> especially spring, this year, we have the most snowpack in Oregon since 2008, which is a really fun statistic. And it's been fun to write about this great snow year that we're having, but it also means you, Matt, have to be a little bit more creative and come up with one that's not, you know, covered by, you know, 20 feet of snow. So the pick tier also surprised me a little bit. I haven't actually heard of it. So, where are we headed in the Northern Cascades for the spring and what makes it great? We're headed to one of my favorite places in the world, which is the
1: Badger Creek Wilderness. Ooh. The Badger Creek Wilderness is it's a, a, a wilderness area of land east of Mount Hood. And so it's in Mount Hood's rain shadow. So as you go west to east in the Badger Creek Wilderness, on the very western end of the Badger Creek Wilderness, the, the climate and terrain and trees in the forest will very much resemble what you see around Mount Hood. But as you get to the eastern end of the Badger Creek Wilderness, which many people just call it the badger, as you get to the eastern end of the badger, it's ponderosa pines and pine for- and oak forests and a lot of huge hanging meadows and a lot of wildflowers. And if your views are, you there. Are many places do have views of Mount Hood or other mountains, but many of the views are east into Oregon's high desert. And it's School Canyon is one of my favorite hikes, but I could have chosen just about anything on this side of the Badger Creek Wilderness. The access is from the the lovely little town of Ty Valley. Mm -hmm. So about half hour south of the Dalles and about two hours east of Portland. If you're coming from Salem, it's a long drive, a very long drive, because there's no easy way to get there. Mm -hmm. But from Portland or the Dalles, it's fairly, I mean, especially from the Dalles, it's an easy day trip but from portland it's two hours each way what makes school canyon really neat is you start on the eastern end of the badger creek wilderness and you can see you start through hiking through oak forest and ponderosa pine forest they're mixed here and then you climb up to a view to the side of a mountain which has the very wonderful name of Ball Point, like a pen okay <laughs> yeah it's really neat and then you hike around the side of ballpoint and eventually you emerge at a place called a spot which is a place where helicopters land when they're conducting forest operations, typically fighting fires. But the helispot spot is in a place surrounded by really cool fluted rock pinnacles. It's a very, I wouldn't say eerie, it's a very intriguing place with a lot of wonderful spring flowers. As an aside, um, I went camping last weekend and so I hiked the first quarter mile of the, of the um, School Canyon Trail and it is snow free to the trailhead right now. Because I was just there on Saturday afternoon. And then the first quarter mile of the trail is snow free, but I would not be surprised if there's still snow at the higher elevations on the hike. Sure, sure. Well, that's going to be true of just about everywhere. It, yeah. <laughs> but you, I, I'd forgotten, I'd forgotten though, there's an excellent view of Mount Jefferson from the first quarter mile of the hike. Mm hmm. So I was like, it was great. I didn't see Mount, I haven't seen Mount Jefferson much this winter. So it was really nice to see.
0: Well, so it, later on, as, as this melts out a little bit, can you backpack in there? Like, is that, is that, would that be an option as things start to to melt out? And would you recommend oh, yeah. that? Or how would you, how would you recommend, you know, exploring School Canyon and, and the Badger? Like, what, what what would be a great way to do it in the spring? So for me, my favorite thing to do actually isn't backpacking there. The one time I backpacked, I
1: discovered that the best place to camp is also a little creepy. Their Hellaspot spot is a great place to camp. We didn't camp there. Um, that would be fine. There's also um, just down from School Canyon, down the Little Badger Trail, which is along Little Badger Creek, there are the ruins of a cabin called Kinzel Cabin, okay. and that was where we looked to camp, and it was a little creepy. I mean, <laughs> you know, you get those vibes where it's like it feels a little haunted.
0: Oh, no, totally, Um, totally.
1: But it's really neat. You've got the ruins of a cabin and all sorts of old mining equipment there. It's really beautiful. But so my favorite thing to do, you could do this with a short car shuttle or if you're willing to make an off-trail traverse that wasn't that hard, but I don't recommend it for people just starting with these or just starting to learn off-trail skills. But you can connect the Little Badger Trail, which is just as beautiful as School Canyon. Like I said, I had to choose one or the other. I don't have, you know, endless amounts of space. So I chose School Canyon over Little Badger, but really they are connected. And so my favorite thing to do is to hike School Canyon, then go down Little Badger, and then either do a car shuttle between the two or start at the Little Badger Trailhead and go off trail to School Canyon and hike it as a loop.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So it ends up being like a nine mile loop with like 2000 feet of elevation gain. But the School Canyon hike, if you're just doing that, is best for a day hike probably. Yeah, though there is actually a spring near the Hellespot. so if you are backpacking, there is reliable water.
0: Man, well, that sounds great. I'm gonna have to definitely check out the Badger. <laughs> um, the Badger, it's the, the Badger uh... is just—it's beautiful. It's an intriguing place that doesn't get a lot of
1: use, especially the eastern side doesn't get a lot of use. Mm-hmm. And there, there's—it's a huge trail network of interconnected trails. It reminds me a lot of the Bowl of the Woods Wilderness near Detroit. Yeah, except the terrain is different. But in terms of like the trail network and the trails being steep and not getting a lot of use and not always being as maintained as you might want them to be. Badger Creek wilderness is very similar to that.
0: Cool. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. When we return, we're going to be heading out into more great spring hikes in the Southern and the Eastern side of Oregon. So stay with us for that.
1: I'm Sarah Gafori with American Forest Resource Council, and we're proud to sponsor the Explore Oregon podcast. I moved to Oregon because of my love for the outdoors. It also inspired me to go to law school and pursue a career in environmental law. At AFRC, I have the pleasure of advocating for science-based forest management throughout the West. Protecting our public lands helps achieve important conservation goals, including clean air, clean water, and robust wildlife habitat. It also helps provide renewable, climate-friendly wood products that we all depend on. We strongly believe that active management of our public lands is the right thing to do for the environment, for the economy, and for our future. Learn more about AFRC at amforest.org.
0: This message is brought to you by Visit Tillamook Coast. Beginning in the spring of 2023, the Tillamook Coast Visitors Association is excited to announce a volunteer vacation program that will bring groups from inside or outside Tillamook County to lend a hand in stewardship programs while also having a good time. One example of an itinerary would be spending one day clearing an invasive brush or working on a hiking trail while the next day could include a guided hike or kayak trip, the type of activity that highlights the Tillamook area and shows why doing stewardship projects is so important. All meals and transportation are included for the groups that take part, which will ideally be between 8 and 12 people. The experience is free for those who take part. The program is designed to offer participants the opportunity to give back to our popular area, while also learning the vital role stewardship plays in preserving our natural places. The program website will launch in March, so stay tuned for that. But if you want more information or to sign up early, contact Dan Hag, and you can reach him at dan at TillamookCoast, all one word, dot com. All right, welcome back. Okay, when we left off, we were in the lower elevations of the northern Cascade Mountains. And we're going to stay there by heading down to the central Cascades, which is kind of my backyard mountain range. But you have the same issue with snow covering pretty much everywhere that you go in the higher elevations. But you picked one of Oregon's favorite places for fly fishing, for summer camping. I might have given it away a little bit, but what did you pick and why is it great for the spring?
1: I picked the magical Metolius River. I really, 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 really love the Metolius River. I, I don't quite know. Well, I, I I said really about five times there, and that might not be enough. That's how much I love the Metolius River. <laughs> but so Central Oregon in my book. So my book is 125 hikes. Twenty five of them are in Central Oregon, Sure. and I left at least ten on the table fully written that I had that I couldn't include. I had to draw the line somewhere. Sure. But um, the Central Oregon Cascades are also the highest sustained elevation in, this, in the Cascades. So you're starting at a higher elevation than anywhere else in the Cascades. So when you're closer to Mount Hood, you've got a lot of lower elevation hikes. But in Central Oregon, there aren't a lot of lower elevation hikes. And so for this year, looking through the 25 hikes that I listed in the Central Oregon Cascades, I think the Metolius might also be the only one that you can currently do. Yeah. So I honestly, looking through now, maybe one or two others. But yes, the Metolius River is great in pretty much any season. And if you can get there in the winter, it's really great. But in the spring, you've got flowers, especially as it gets May and June, the flowers really, really take off in the Metolius. But beyond that, it's also a great place to just go and explore. Kind of like I mentioned with the Badger Creek Wilderness, the Metolius river to me, isn't just about the wizard falls and it isn't just about, you know, the head of the Metolius to me, it's the entire Canyon. And so what I featured was a hike from wizard falls to the famous springs near Canyon Creek campground when that's a 5.3 mile hike out and back. But I also went into great, great detail to explain some of my other favorite adventure, favorite adventures in the Metolius Canyon and explain them as sort in terms of other adventure options. And like one that I re- one thing I really love to do, for example, is to backpack into the inner Metolius, which is not an area that a lot of people explore. Yeah. One of the really interesting things about the Metolius, it it's unique in so many ways, but it's one of the very few rivers I can think of where there is literally trail from the head to the mouth. There is a trail you can hike from the head to the mouth. If you were so inclined in a couple spaces of places you might have to pass through private property. So maybe that might require some, you know, talking to somebody, but for the most part, you can hike, there are trails from the head to the mouth. And beyond that, it's also one of the very few places I can think of where it's the, it's, it's the opposite of how a river typically is. Typically a river is most populated near the mouth and least populated near the head. But, the head of the Metolius in the area, and the upper Metolius, is the area with the resorts and the campgrounds. And the lower Metolius is essentially wilderness. And that's something that I mentioned as well as something that I is a, uh, an adventure I really enjoy. It's, it's good for a backpack. It's good for a day hike. It's good to just explore.
0: I'm
1: kind but of the option... Go ahead.
0: Where do you, if you're going to go into that inner Metolius Canyon, I, you know, I have friends who whitewater kayak that area and they they speak very highly of that area too. I, I didn't actually know you could hike down in there. Where would you kind of start and, and just try to get to at that point if you're doing the inner Metolius?
1: So you have to start at Lower Bridge Campground. You have to start on the east side of the river because the west mm. side, there's a trail along the west side from Lower Bridge to Candle Creek Campground. And that's 1.5 miles, but Candle Creek is right at the boundary with the Warm Springs Reservation, and you can't enter the Warm Springs Reservation. You just can't. It's closed, it's closed to the public unless you're a tribal member. But so you start on the east side at Lower Bridge Campground, and there's just a road. It's the same road that you basically drove in. It's the same road, except it's closed and gated. And so there is a small enclave of private property back there you're allowed to hike through. But you can't leave the road during that small enclave of private property. otherwise it's all public land with lots of campsites mm-hmm. Gotcha. And you can hike all the way to Monty campground, which is 16 miles one way from lower bridge.
0: Wow. And is it the same character the the whole way through you know people think of the Metolias to think of that incredible you know ink blue color in the Ponderosa yes. forest. Does it kind of stay the same way throughout? Yes, it does.
1: it does the the, the primary change. With the lower Metolius, is that the river is raging as opposed to placid. <laughs> so, a lot of the upper Metolius is very placid and calm. There are spots of, there are massive amounts of white water in the upper Metolius, but there are also a lot of calm stretches. The lower Metolius is all white water. Mm-hmm. So, I,
0: it would be an intimidating raft, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 mostly smaller kayakers who are very good, good expedition style, you know, whitewater boaters. And yeah, no, it's yeah. it's it's a it's a pretty classic river trip, but it's definitely a challenge to do the shuttle and and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's like, it's a long the, shuttle. It's a long be, shuttle. I well, just because of how remote it is that you you know you're kind of touching on. So yeah, the Metolius great great option in the spring. Okay, we're gonna continue down the spine of the Cascades and into the southern half of the state. Although we're gonna cheat. A little bit here and head back west into the Klamath Siskiyou Mountains uh, just an hour from my former Oregon home of all the hikes you picked this one for southern Oregon is one of my favorite overall in the states and it's one that I know as well as any place in the states it's an amazing one for either day hiking or backpacking in the spring it's the real wild side of southern Oregon so where are you bringing us Matt
1: we're going to the Illinois River yeah the Illinois River so this was um When i started this project this was one of the very first places that came to mind i'd always wanted to go there i'd never been into the kalamiopsis wilderness before and i'd always wanted to go to the illinois river because it looked beautiful and it looked very unique and also for a personal reason so i grew up in oregon but i was born in illinois and a lot of my family is still lives in illinois and we my family in illinois lives near the illinois river in illinois so i had the uh, i had the I just had to see what Oregon's Illinois River looked like. And I can definitively say that Oregon's Illinois River is much prettier than (laughs) Illinois' Illinois River. Um, To me, I just had to get there. And so I really had to strategize a long time on how to do it. I thought about coming from the coast range. And then I decided, you know what, I'm just going to go, regardless of what I've heard about how bad the roads are, to get to Mm -hmm. to the east side of Illinois River. I'm going. And I discovered the roads actually aren't that bad. At least they weren't last April when I went. Mm-hmm. I I was expecting it to be something like the Broken Top Trailhead or Elk Lake or Brighton Bush Lake, where it was, you know, 10 miles of terrible road. For those of you who follow, um, who do a lot of recreating in Oregon, there's those are three of the most legendarily awful roads in <laughs> central Oregon. And it wasn't that bad. Actually, I discovered that the worst stretch of road was just the last uh how long was it
0: yeah just the last just
1: a mile or so mile mile and a half at which point you know it's already a long hike you're already going to be there for a while just if you get uncomfortable pull off the side of the road and just walk the road
0: mm-hmm.
1: like i that's not something i always want to do but honestly it's a beautiful area even doing that your hike is still going to be pretty
0: yeah. So I'm curious, which, which stretches did you like? Cause I mean, I've explored every, every stretch of the Illinois river trail, spent a lot of time there. There's so many different options. Um, you know, you can do just the out and back to pine flat, you can backpack, you can, there, there's a lot of different ways to do it. You can backpack the entire thing straight through. So what did you end up doing? I, I did the out and back
1: to pine flat. I, I thought about trying to get in further that day, but, um, It was surprisingly warm when I did it. And I was not prepared for, there was a lot of ups and downs, a lot of constant up and down. And I was not expecting that. And it it didn't wipe me out, but I definitely felt pretty tired when I finished the hike. Mm -hmm. But so doing that to me, okay, so I'm a flower nut. I'm just nuts about flowers. And uh, my wife is a huge wildflower fan. And the Illinois River Trail to me had one of the most intriguing and interesting, um, interest, intriguing and interesting arrays of wildflowers I've been, I've seen anywhere in Oregon. I saw when I was there I saw Darlingtonia, which are a, which is a carnivorous plant, and I also saw the famous Calypsoe lichiana, which is the flower after which the wilderness area is named and is only found in. Maybe a dozen places in the world, all in that area.
0: Yeah, no, I mean it's it's very famous for uh, those wildflowers, for just the unique geology that that gives birth to those unique species. So uh, I'll just give a quick plug. We did a we did an entire podcast focused solely on the Calameopsis, uh with the guy who. Uh, runs the group that maintains all the trails out there and gives talks on it. So if you're interested in the in the Calameopsis, uh give that a, check that one out. It is it's a wild place. It reflects kind of the wild nature of Southern Oregon, and you know it's just sort of like the perfect perfect sum up there. So, are you okay. talking about the Siskiyou Mountain Club? The Siskiyou Mountain Club. Yep, I'm a huge fan
1: of theirs. So I. Uh... I, I found myself thanking them about every 15 minutes on that hike that I did.
0: <laughs> and you should because I was somebody who hiked it before they got going out there. And Matt, like it was such a mess. It was I can only really imagine. It was the worst because of the biscuit fire, um, you know, that had roared through in two thousand two, just the number of down trees, like just the the vegetation, it would just eat you up. And I got just my butt kicked a number of times down there and so I've always been thankful to Gabe Howe and the Siskiyou Mountain Club that yeah, now maintain I, those trails and, and keep them so nice. I, I, I am I am a huge fan of theirs and I,
1: I look forward to joining them on trips when I can.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, they're always looking for volunteers. They do great, great work trips where you go down, they, they give you a you know a misery whip and you just you just go to work sawing mm-hmm uh, logs to get them off the trails and and working your butt off. So,
1: so I will point out also one more thing I will point out about the Illinois too, is that I saw that was the first place in Oregon I'd ever seen a rattlesnake.
0: Yeah. Yeah. How close did you, how close did
1: you get to him? It was on the side of the trail, um, but off, not on the trail, but on the side. So about five, 10 feet away, I'd never seen one in Oregon before. And I'd never heard the rattle before. Yeah. And I I will say there was nothing you, (laughs) there is no mistaking that
0: sound. Yeah. (laughs) That's so funny. It's re- I'm, I'm sort of glad that you got your experience there because that's actually where I had my first experience was I was just getting into Pine Flat. I was carrying a backpack and it was kind of early in the season. And so the the river was pretty loud. And so I heard the rattle like kind of at the last second and a few more steps and I would have stepped on the rattle. Oh. Which would have been a really. Unpleasant... About that. Yeah, that would have been a bummer because I was way back there. <clears throat> anyway i was way back there and yeah that would have been trouble so I've, I've always remembered that so if you do the illinois river trail and this is actually true for a lot of southwest oregon uh, it's i've seen rattlesnakes on the illinois river trail the rogue river trail which is kind of like the easier companion uh almost yeah. to the illinois it's a little bit more developed uh better known but uh watch out for rattlesnakes because you know you think of eastern oregon as being the land of rattlesnakes but the most i've seen and this is because i Live down there. <laughs> it's definitely Southwest Oregon. So
1: the Deschutes River Trail is also known for them on hot days. Sure. Okay. No I've never seen one there, but I primarily go on cooler days.
0: So just FYI. Okay. So we've made it from the coast to the Coast Range, across the Willamette Valley, down the spine of the Cascades into Southern Oregon. So now we're finally going to officially jump across the Cascades into Central Oregon. There's a million hikes as you mentioned to choose from. You said you got twenty-five Central Oregon hikes in your book. But you picked another one that I was not super familiar with. So where are you bringing us for your your Central Oregon hike? And where is it in Central Oregon?
1: Okay, so I actually, I differentiated between Central Oregon Cascades and Central Oregon High Desert. Sure. And so this is in the Central Oregon High Desert near Terrebonne and Redmond. This is a place called Scout Camp that is at the very edge of what is called the Crooked River Ranch which is a a large housing and land development between the Deschutes River and the Crooked River, just west of Terrebonne. And Scout Camp is one of the most beautiful places in Oregon, in my opinion, and yet another hike on the Deschutes. I I could have also written an, an entire guidebook just on hikes along the Deschutes River. But this is a spot where you start at the top, so you're hiking down and you have to hike back out. But in just 2.3 miles total mm-hmm. and just 2.3 miles, you get to pass amazing wildflower displays, really great views of the Cascades, really great views down into the Deschutes Canyon and red, orange and even slightly purple cliffs above the Deschutes River and a natural rock arch mm-hmm. all in one air, all in one hike that
0: takes at most three hours to do. Okay. Can you give me the kind of the, the specifics on it? Where are you starting? Where is it? Finish? Like, like, give me some, some mileage and some details. So you start
1: on the, you started on scout camp trail road, uh, which is just, which is about how did I listen? Uh, 20 minutes west of Tarabon. And you follow the trail across a flat full of juniper trees and spring flowers to a spot where the trail, where the loop begins and so it's a loop; you can go in either direction, but it's a lot easier to go left first. And that'll take you along a cliff edge. So if you're afraid of heights, it's a bit, that's <laughs> a bit challenging. It's, there aren't any huge drop-offs, but if you are really afraid of heights, it is a little, a little challenging. But you kind of make your way down via a long series of switchbacks and traverses along some high cliffs above the Deschutes River with fabulous views until you reach the river. You don't ever actually touch the river but you get to hike along the river banks more or less for about uh, about three quarters of a mile passing underneath the huge cliffs that you hiked around on the way in and then eventually you reach a spot opposite where the white I think it's pronounced white or wickus I've never been completely sure but white Creek flows into the Deschutes and you're exactly opposite there opposite the elder Springs Trail but on the east side of the river Mm -hmm. and from there the trail switchbacks back out of the canyon to complete the loop
0: all right now we've made it east of the cascade so we're just going to keep going and head into the northeast part of the state and this is a place that you're going to talk about next that more and more people are beginning to learn about matt so where, where are you taking us for this segment of the state
1: we're going to zumwalt prairie which is about 40 minutes north of joseph and enterprise so northeast oregon is not a place that has a lot of great spring hikes i i discovered i spent a lot of time in northeast oregon working on this project and i discovered that while it is a beautiful place to be in the spring the mountains are still snowed in and getting into hell's canyon which is a place i spent a lot of time at when i was working on this book is not that easy in the spring There are ways to do it, but it's not that easy. You really have to wait until about June to do almost anything in Hell's Canyon at the earliest, most things. And so also I decided for this book to focus only on day hikes. Obviously things are backpackable, but I I decided to focus only on day hikes. And So Zumwalt Prairie is a nature conservancy property about 40 minutes north of Joseph and Enterprise. And it's in the vast rolling plateau between essentially the Willowas and Hell's Canyon. So it's full of native grasses, flowers, and birds. And it's a rare chance to explore Eastern Oregon Prairie, which I really think it's really beautiful, huge open skies. But you also have other trails there that take you to views of of part of Hell's Canyon, as well as a hike that goes up to Harson Butte where you have an incredible view that features both Hell's Canyon to the east, the Boulawas to the south, and the Seven Devils Mountains to the southeast in Idaho. Oh wow, and a lot of things to explore. The only bummer is that dogs aren't allowed because it's nature conservancy property.
0: Sure, sure. So tell tell me, you know, uh, what are the specifics of of Zumwalt? Like, how do you? I mean, I've heard a lot about it. You know, I've seen pictures. People talk about it a lot. But how is it best explored? Like, what's the what's the what's the the choices, sort of stretch or day hike that you could do out there?
1: So the best thing to do is to make it a just make it a day trip because you can't backpack. Um, So either make it a day trip if you're staying in Joseph or Enterprise or make it a a, make it a stop on the way to Hell's Canyon. That's either of those is a great way to explore it. And so the best thing to do, there are three trails I recommend. One is Patty's Trail Loop, which takes you across the prairie and explores the open really the open prairie lands that are there. There's a trail to Harson Butte, which has the view I mentioned, a spectacular view that features the Wallawas and Hell's Canyon. And then Canyon Vista Trail takes you to a view down into it, it is part of Hell's Canyon, but it's the Amnaha River Canyon. All three of those combined are 7.4 miles. So that's you can do one, two, or all three, depending on what you feel like doing. And all three are relatively easy, although Harson Butte is very steep. It's not very long, but it is very steep. So you will take a little longer than expected to get it to the top.
0: All right. Well, that's a great pick for a spring. And uh, yeah, I can't imagine that there's a whole lot to do. I've been out to, to Joseph and Enterprise in the spring and you're, you're right. You know, you know, it's mostly snowed in and especially in a year like this. So it's good to have that option out there. So, all right, we've almost reached the end and we are going to end by heading down to the southeast Part of Oregon that you mentioned that you spent so much time with and enjoyed, and we're going to stop with Steen's Mountain. Uh, But one of the more fascinating hikes in this giant fault block of a mountain. So, Matt, for a last time, where are you taking us? I'm
1: taking us to the second place I saw a rattlesnake working on this book,
0: (laughs) which is uh, that. That's
1: I just thought it was funny to mention that. Which was Pike. Which is Pike Creek on the east side of Steen's Mountain. Pike Creek is. It's the very, really right at the boundary between steens and the albor desert so you start at the edge of the albor desert and you hike up into a steep canyon on the east side of steens mountain and so you can look up in front of you hiking into the canyon and see the top of steens and you look behind you and see the albor desert thousands of feet below and you'll you can look up in one direction and see snow and the other direction behind you you see alkali flats essentially desert as if that weren't enough, the canyon is also gorgeous and features tons of spring wildflowers, and of course, a rattlesnake. I don't don't get too don't get too worried about rattlesnakes though. They, I I just thought it was funny to think about. Those are the two places that I chose, and it didn't occur to me that I chose the two places I saw rattlesnakes until I was doing this podcast.
0: Well, I'm curious. You know, Pike Creek. It's yeah, it's spectacular in all the ways you talk about. Just the drive there is cool. Driving along the east side. Yes. You know, with the desert on one side and this, you know, giant, you know, vertical mile mountain above you. And then you're just like, where am I going? I'm going into this tiny crack, you know, basically into the mountain. How far did you go for the book? Because I know you can go quite a ways and explore for quite a ways. But what what did you pick out as your kind of uh, as your as your hike? I
1: picked out the 6.6 mile out and back trip to the forks of Pike Creek. Mm -hmm. I did explore further, but the trail started to become difficult to follow. Yeah. And while and I was alone, as I was for most of these hikes, and while if I were just exploring to explore, I would have spent you know, hours exploring the side trails and everything. I had to also limit myself to things that other people would want to do, and I found that the trails past the Forks of Pike Creek didn't really offer anything new or different and were just rougher and fainter so i i decided to stop at the classic place you stop which is the forks of pike creek where pike creek splits in two but you could easily explore more scramble up on to onto the top of the knoll between the two forks of pike creek you can follow trails further up into steens that are a lot rougher and fainter it was i found myself wanting to go back and, and spend the whole day just like exploring every nook and cranny of the area
0: mm-hmm. And it's so, so inter- it's so interesting the contrast between Pike Creek and then you know the the hikes on Steen's on the other side where you're following Steen's Loop Road up there and it's, it's more there's still very spectacular but it's just it's such a different experience over in yeah. Pike Creek.
1: I did I did Little Blitzen River River on the other side of the mountain on the western side of the mountain and that was. If we were talking summer, that was my favorite summer hike in Southeast Oregon. But Hike yeah. Creek is my favorite spring hike in Southeast Oregon, and yeah, I, I really loved it. I also I stopped at Fields that morning at Field Station, the famous Fields Station <laughs> gas station in the little town of Fields, and I got my milkshake, which I swear had to have been somewhere between twenty-four and thirty-two ounces <laughs> at nine in the morning. They told me I was not the first person to order the milkshake that day, and so that was my breakfast the day that I did this. So it was it was a good day. It was a very good day when I hiked Pike Creek. In addition, Pike Creek the trail is lined with yellow lupin, which is not something you see anywhere on the west side of Oregon, at least in the wild. And it's not that commonly seen in eastern Oregon either. But there was a ton of it on the Pike Creek on the Pike Creek trail. And I, being a flower fan, for me it was really an exciting thing to see. And I my wife, I came back and I showed my wife the photos and she said, no, you need to take me there. And I said, we'll do it. We will do it. When do you want to go?
0: All right. Well, with Steen's mountain, we have come to the end of our journey across Oregon and some of the best spring hikes along the way. Once again, I've been joined by Matt reader, author of the excellent new book, extraordinary Oregon. 125 hikes across the state of Oregon. Matt, I appreciate you taking so much time and sharing all your knowledge of these really cool hikes. We appreciate your time and hope to talk with you again soon. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
1: And happy trails. Uh,
0: Happy trails. All right, well, that's about all the time we have left in today's show. If you like what you've heard, check out our catalog of more than 60 episodes featuring Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places at statesmanjournal.com explore, along with Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. We'd once again like to thank our sponsors, beginning with the American Forest Resources Council, AFRC supports responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest, our environment for our economy and for the future learn more at amforests.org. we'd also like to thank visit Tillamook coast if you want to plan a trip out there you can check out their outdoor recreation map that shows all the places to hike swim boat and camp you can find that map at tillamookcoast.com recreation hyphen map once again that's tillamookcoast.com recreation hyphen map And thanks to the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department, which stresses the importance of recreating responsibly and leaving no trace in Oregon's outdoors. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time for the next edition of the Explore Oregon podcast.